Let's go, let's go, let's go. We're recording, we're recording. All right, we're going to talk about hiring today. Boom! So we got to do an intro, though. Um, <clears throat> you do it. Today on Seeking Wisdom, we're talking about... Today on Seeking Wisdom, we are talking about three secrets of hiring that you're not aware of today. Ooh, that's pretty good. discussion about it and uh you know we kind of this is one of those where we had an episode we were going to do but then you sent me a note and had some good thoughts on hiring and so i figured let's do it let's let's do it come on let's give the people what they want let's talk about hiring so uh three secrets um so we probably could do an episode on each one of these yes uh, and i think like, in the future we yeah. can and do blog posts on them yeah. i hate the secrets thing but let's use secrets. yeah but no secrets is just like a it's like a nice title it's sexy it's a good title all right, so uh, we won't even call it seekers. We're just talk about hiring. Yep. Uh, three things that you know you talk about a lot uh, started to like you know impart on us here at Drift, and, and we do them. So let's I'll I'll, I'll kind of outline the three points, and then we'll we'll go into each one of them. Mm-hmm. So just three kind of different things to think about uh, when hiring. The first one is uh, finding their purpose. What is that? So what does that mean? So like explain how this fits in hiring. Yeah, this is almost like the the starting with why, okay. right? Start with why. Um, so one thing that I found in trying to find, and let's this is not just about hiring, but this is trying to hire the most and high performance people that you can. And high performance, you know, a lot of people say that. What does it actually mean? For me, it means like wh- hiring someone uh, that is going to surprise, going to wow you that has this kind of hidden potential in them, mm-hmm. right? This fire that's burning inside them that they haven't fulfilled yet. And you're trying to find that unknown, right? You're trying to find that. It's almost like when uh, sports scouts try to find that unknown, yeah, yeah. the next great yeah. pitcher, the next great batter, whatever yeah. the position is, you're trying to find the next great player. So we we actually just talked about this yesterday. We were talking about you know just how hiring is is hard because – you're looking for this perfect like LinkedIn profile yeah. and resume, and it's like you know worked at this company has done this. And I asked you, and I was like, how how do you know how to take a chance on someone when like it's never going to be presented on a platter? Like no. here's the perfect resume, and so this is this probably relates to that like uh, how, do, how do you see through that and find like this person has the potential to be special? Yeah, and on that perfect background idea, you know what I found is that over the years. I can now look back at all the high performance, like 10 Xers that I've ever worked with, uh, and I can tell you one consistent thing in all of them. All of them, from a background or resume, CV standpoint, all looked bad. Right? <laughs> they all looked, something looked off, right? Either they had some of that experience, but there were still some question marks in their background, and, uh, or they had nothing, you know, they were totally unknown, and you were taking that chance, but maybe that is kind of, that is the point, right? right? Because if you're if someone has already been there, done that already, they probably don't have that big growth potential. You're looking for someone who has not been given that chance right. before, and you're giving them the opportunity to explode. So how does and, that how does that come through in an interview? So you said find find their purpose. Like, what do you try to do yeah. to find their purpose? So it's it's interesting. This is what I do mostly 
most of, most of my time when I'm interviewing someone, this is what I spend the majority of that time uh, on, and that is trying to figure out what is it that they are trying to prove for themselves. Like, uh, and you can say it in different ways. You could say, what is their goal? You know, either short term, long term, mid term. What is the thing that? Uh, but most people can't articulate that well. Uh, you can say, like, what are you trying to learn at this job? So if all things were successful, a year from now, what would you have learned here? Or five years from now, ten years from now? And some people can get through that. A lot of people can't. Uh, so what I find is that I actually have to spend a lot of time just talking about and testing different subjects. And these subjects are totally random. And I start with personal subjects. And an example could be talking about, hey, Dave, do you like skiing? Yeah. I like skiing. Um, grew up. My family grew up skiing. Yeah, I've been yeah, skiing. That's not a good one. His eyes didn't light <laughs> out for skiing. Dave, you have a workout? I love I every morning. Yeah, yeah. His eyes are twinkling yeah. now. Okay, I hit on something. Okay. See, this is an example. So I'm going around asking questions like this that are all over the map. And I start with personal because personal is easier. Um, so people like let their guard down. I could see, oh, when I talked about working out, Dave's eyes lit up. When I talked about skiing, mm, he looked the other way. His eyes glazed over a little. I could tell he was not that interested. This is like, so you're seeing like this is something that uh, – does the actual answer tell you? Like, no. Depending on the topic? No, no, it's the eyes. Okay. Right? So I'm looking for body language yep. here. And this is the qualitative stuff. I'm looking for body language. I'm looking for his, his eyes lit up. Was he happy? Was he laughing? And what I'm trying to do by starting with the personal questions is to set a bar. Right, just like when you're doing an experiment, you have to you have to have some control variables. This is my first control, right? So I'm seeing, okay, this is what he looks like when he is amped up. I begin there. Once I've found two or three of these things that he's really excited about, I move on to professional things. And so, if we were talking about uh, a development position, I'll start to talk about different patterns, different programming languages, different projects that I've seen out there, and I'm, I'm doing the same thing. I'm trying to see when does Dave's eyes light up. This is some science shit. I didn't know. This is awesome. Science, okay, bro. I'm, I'm excited. I didn't know it was going to be like yeah. this. Yeah, and uh, so when we talk okay. about marketing stuff, yeah. I could be talking to Dave about different marketing ideas. Hey, have you checked out this blog? Have right. you looked at this? Have you ever done that? What do you think of this guy, that girl, whatever? And all I'm trying to see is when he lights up. So you're trying to elicit that same response. The same response. And so, so like, all right, so right now – you know, say we're hiring a, a marketer to focus on like social and PR, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. Would you ask a bunch of different marketing questions and then work in like something about social and see if they light up when you talk about that topic? Exactly okay. that. So I would first remember I'd start with the personal. Right. So you need to understand what they look like because everyone looks a little different. Right. When do they look what do they look like and how do they communicate when they, you found something that resonates with them? Yeah. Once you've found two or three of those items, you need more than one. Now, this is, this is some science. This is, some, this is like, I'm this is testing, man. This, yeah, this, is, is, testing. this is awesome. Okay. Uh, now I'm going to creep out everyone that I interview, right? I'm future. never going to be able, <laughs> able to have a real conversation with you ever he's, again. Like, he's testing me. He's testing. Yeah. Uh, and then once you have those, then I'll move over. Like in your example, this, we're hiring someone on the social side. I'll start talking about different marketing things. Hey, do you read this blog? Have you checked out this thing? What are you into? Like right. just a r bunch of random marketing-related things slowly start to circle in on social. What tools do you use for social? Uh, well, I don't use anything right, right now. Okay, bad, bad sign. Or like if they light up more about writing. Yes. Then you're like, ooh, are they just faking, faking that they want to own social here 
Bingo. And, yeah. Bingo. Okay. So we start talking about what tools you use, you know, because a lot of, especially in marketing, this is marketing specific and dev specific. I'd say for marketers and developers, they really geek out on the tools that they use every day yeah. or the little tricks or workarounds that they have. So you want to talk about, like, what do you use for for this? Do you use Buffer? Do you use that? Do you use this tool? Do you use, uh, when do you use Zapier? Do you, have you heard of Zapier? Have you used any kind of tool? Do you use Google Analytics and see what's going on? Then talk about social, talk about content, but start to talk about all different things in marketing to see if they get the one thing that they, they, anyone can talk to you about anything, can fake it for a while, but now that you have a control and you see what they look like when they're excited, they can't fake their eyes. Right. You can't fake excitement in someone's eyes and in their body language, so now you have a way, you've calibrated for that. Yeah, and I, I like that because you might not always, you might walk out of that interview and might be like, okay, this person, not a great fit for social, but they really got fired up when we started talking about this other topic. Totally. And so you start to see other different levels. Yeah, and so you saw them, oh wow, they got really fired up about, I don't know, um, Whatever it is. Yeah, writing or writing. something. Yeah. Let's say it's just writing. They're, oh, they really geeked out on writing. Then you could say, oh, we're not, hey, you know what? We're actually looking for another writer. Yeah. Maybe, we'll, maybe we'll, even they, though they came in on the social stuff, maybe we'll think about them on the writing side. If, they've, if you have an overlap there and if during that whole process you feel like, wow, uh, we'll get into one of my other tricks. Okay. If, you, if they pass all, all three of these kind of um, – methods for yeah. hiring someone but okay but th- that wasn't even so that's not is that finding your purpose or is finding so this that's a little test to find out what they get excited about mm-hmm. uh it is finding it so let me yeah, yeah, go yeah. into that yeah. how it's finding your purpose uh you what you once you've circled in on the stuff that professionally excites them that there's something the reason that it excites them goes beyond you know the brand that they may be using or maybe the day-to-day there's something inherent in that process or that thing that you've talked about that excites them that probably has to do overlaps with their long-term goals right right if they geeked out on some social media tool let's say um that doesn't mean that they want to be a social media marketer is their purpose in life but there's something about that tool the way they use it the way it makes them feel the way that it gives them maybe let's say connection to uh you know, an audience right. that may have some that may overlap a lot with what they want to do in terms of purpose, right? right? And the more uh, structured the type of role that you're, uh, the type of person that you're talking to, the more that they'll probably be better at articulating their long-term goal and their purpose. Marketers are pretty good at this usually. Sometimes salespeople, although their answer is always the same. Uh, you know, uh, and and some the closer you are on the business and process side of things, the more those personalities tend to be very well structured about their long-term goals. The further that you go towards a maker, and that can be a designer, that can be an engineer, that can be any kind of person who actually makes things, the more that they're obsessed with the craft itself. And and so they care about the day-to-day, they care about the craft, they care about the purity of it, the less they're really thinking about, okay, here's my 10-year goal. Right. right? This is what, I want to be a VP of X in exactly. 10 years. Yeah. Uh, and so with those people, designers, developers, and makers, you have to spend a lot more time in this kind of purpose uh, area to figure out how this links with their purpose gotcha. long-term. Cool. All right, that's a good one. Uh, all right, so find your purpose. Uh, we'll find their purpose, and I'll recap all these in the show notes. So, that was the first one. Second one, this is this has become my go-to, Uh-oh. my favorite. Uh, Tell me the morning after test. Yes. 
This is the key. So this is, let's say you've had that interview and now, now you felt good about the interview. You left. You found their purpose. You're like, yep, good. I'm fired up. One thing that we're good at, um, all of us are good at, is rationalizing. Yeah. So you, because you had a good experience with, and this is you know, back to the cognitive biases, uh, you have these reinforcing biases that then lead you to say, we should hire this person. They're smart. I found their purpose. It overlaps with, you know, we need someone in that position, et cetera, et cetera. And this is where the morning after test comes in. Yeah. And the morning after test is basically a way for you to tap into your into your gut, into, into that voice inside of you, right? We have two sides of our brain. We have the logical side, and then, then we have this, this more emotional and more instinctual side of thinking. This is a way that you can tap into your instincts. And we, uh, the more data that we have access to, the worse that we get at tapping into the instinctual side because the more data we have, the more that we can rationalize anything, convince ourselves into any argument. And so what you want to do is after you've met with someone and you feel good, right, so they passed all the tests, you wait until the next day before really forming your opinion on that person. And I call this the morning after test. And this is kind of like the morning after test in dating. (laughs) So like you meet someone – you know, how do you feel about that person the next day? Yeah. And the, the sign that you have to look for is when that person uh, inevitably reaches back out, say, hey, thanks for having me in for the interview. I'm excited. Whatever the communication is, or, it's, or you're thinking about reaching back out to them, how do you feel? Split second. Don't think about it. Think, how do I feel? Do I want to answer this email, this phone call from this person? Do I want to reach out to this person? Do I want to send them an email? Do I want to have a conversation right now? Do I want to stop everything that I'm doing today and talk to them? And if the answer is, mm, no, oh, I'll, I'll talk to them later. I'm busy right now. I'm talking to them later. That's the answer yeah. you're looking for. That, the answer there is no. Remember it's, this happened to me a couple weeks absolutely. ago? Absolutely. You were like, it, it, so we had been, you know, doing a, talking to a bunch of people and, uh, you know, felt felt really great after an interview. I was all fired up, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I went to talk to you about it. And you're like, "Sleep on it, man. Sleep yeah, on it." Sleep on and it. I was like, "I want to tell you now." You're like, "Sleep on it. Sleep on it." Yeah. Sure enough, next morning I come into work, text you. I said, "Yo, can we go get a can we can we go for a walk, get a yeah. coffee?" And you're like, "Yeah, what's up?" And I was like, "I don't know. I, last night I felt great. I felt all fired up, but today I just and you you admit you stopped me right there, and you're like, "Yep, that's, that's your it. answer. That's your answer. That's it. Don't rationalize. Stop right there." That's the morning after test, and the person just fa- passed the morning after test. And when I tell people this technique, they think I'm crazy uh, because they're like, what? No, it's a good person. They want to rationalize their way. And, I, and what, I, what I tell them is think about how many people you meet every day. You just met someone. You had a good experience. How many people do you want to continue to talk to? Do you want to spend time with after meeting them the first time, first, second, third time? And the answer is not many. So in a given month, you may meet lots of people socially, professionally, whatever. There are very few people that you're going to meet in a given month, year, uh, decade that you want to spend a lot of time with. And that is the highest test that you can put someone through. And you should put that person that you're interviewing through that test because you're going to spend most of your time with this person. Yeah. And I mean, especially at the earlier stage of the company, right, where like this is, you know, Every new person we add to our team, mm-hmm. it, you know, has a huge impact on our culture. That's the that's yeah. the stage of the company that we're at. Uh, exactly, and everyone knows that you spend more time with these people than you do with 
your family and other folks because you're around them so much. Uh, but the other, but the thing that no one talks about is not only do you spend a lot of time with them, but you spend a lot of time with them in high stress situations, right? And you just went through a process where it was a honeymoon phase. You were interviewing them, and in some ways, this is the best case scenario. This is everyone at their happiest, right. and this is both of you. Not only that person, but both of you in a no-stress situation. And you're only going to be put through a lot of stressful situations working together. And so you want to make sure that this is someone that you want to spend time with. Yeah. Lean I, into the morning after. Time. I love that one. I, I think, honestly, I think if you take – that's going to be the easiest. That's the easiest one to implement. Yeah. Like, to take you don't away have to change and, anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So really think about that. All right, cool. So find, uh, you know, so find their purpose, the morning after test. Uh, the, this is the last one, and this is one that you you kind of have opened me up to. Didn't really think about this a lot. This is something that you and Elias talk about a lot, which is um, using personalities to match the mm. team. Yeah. So personality types based on the current composition of the team uh, and the current stage of the company. Yeah. So this is one that we probably spend the most time, uh, all the time here at Drift, talking about and thinking about and revisiting. So it is the the hardest of the three the three that I've mentioned so far to implement because it involves a lot of training, retraining, examination, and involves the most change kind of to your workflow. But I think it's the, it's also the most powerful of the three, right? And so this one not only changes the way that you hire, but changes how you manage and how you think about uh, putting teams together. And so uh, years ago. Uh, I took my first personality test. In that case, it was a Meyer-Briggs test. I'm an INTJ, and Dave is an uh, ESTJ. ESTJ. Um, and I thought it was the weakest, most corporate <laughs> nonsense that I've ever – and I actually refused to take it. And I was the last person at my own company. I'm only laughing because uh, – not because you think it's corporate, but I'm laughing because of how much I know you love this now. So oh, I love it. It's funny to think about that you yeah, one hated time it. rolled like, your oh, eyes at it. Man, what is this corporate nonsense? <laughs> I was the last person. Yeah, I was what like turned a, you around? 150. Why would you turn around? Because uh, I was 149 of the team had taken it, and I was 150 as the last person uh, to probably take it. And, and I just did it on a whim. And, uh, and I was like, it was one of those things, and we talk about getting uncomfortable all the time here, where I was uncomfortable doing it, and then I had a kind of a breakthrough after, and I was like, wow, this is probably the most useful thing and the thing that I use the most day-to-day uh, of anything that I stumbled upon uh, in my time. Which and you came out as an INTJ, which is the rarest personality <laughs> type, the 1%. Yeah, the 1% Look, type. if you're listening, just if you're listening to this podcast and you know anything about David, just do yourself a favor and Google INTJ, all right? And yeah. then when you read it, it's basically his bio. It's 100%. <laughs> I'm a robot and I follow all rules. Yeah. In that I mean, INTJ. no, it's true. Like I, I sent you, we, we shared an article the other day, Elise on our team shared an article about personality types and uh, they broke down ESTJ and how... How ESTJs deal with stress and conflict, oh and it was like it could not be more Dave. <laughs> it was yeah. like it was like must make a list to first organize conflict. Give them alone time. Yeah, give them alone time. Doesn't like lazy people. Yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> yeah. It was it could not be more right. So right. anyway, so I, how do you apply this to work? So I found as INTJ, and, and then what it opened up for me was uh, thinking about not only myself because I knew some of these things already, but more importantly, how to communicate to different people and that. Uh, that different people needed different styles of communication and related differently to different people. No duh, right? We all think we know that and we think like, yeah, no shit. I know people are different. But in practice, what I find for all of us, myself included, is that we forget that 
and we treat everyone the way that we expect to be treated and the way that we expect to be communicated. And then when we don't get the results that we want, then we don't understand it, right? And, uh, and so we use this as a tool, and there's all sorts of personality types, uh, testing tools like Meyer Briggs is what we use, but you can use Strength Finders, you can use Disk Assessment. There's yeah. a million. Different if you if you don't know yours, uh, you can take it. There's a free one that we a bunch of us have done here at Drift. If you just go to sixteen uh, personalities dot com. Yep, and that's the number sixteen one six personalities. It's totally free. We use it here. Even when we interview people, we send them a link and ask them to take it. So, how do I use this in terms of hiring? So, when we're hiring to build a team. We use personality types a lot because we're looking for, depending on the role, we're looking at the personality type, and depending on the team that they're going to work with in the company, we're also looking at personality types to understand, like, is this person a good complement for the people that may exist already on a team or good co- or has a good personality type for a certain type of role, right? INTJ, like myself, probably not the person you want as a BDR or like a salesperson, right, where you want a more extroverted person, a more... Uh, a different type of person than myself that mm-hmm. is more reserved, more quiet, right? Uh, that's an overgeneralization, but that just gives you an idea. Um, but when we're, it's more important once you actually have a team up and running and you're looking at that team and saying, all right, which personalities are going to work well? So when we're hiring, we give, we're looking at personality types. Of course, we're looking at a lot of other dimensions. This is just one dimension. And we're thinking about how's that personality type going to, going to work with the people on that team. And then if that person does join that team, then we're using the personality type to inform the rest of the team so they understand how this person likes to work, how they like to be communicated to, and give them at least some sort of framework. Because in most uh, environments, when you hire someone, you add someone, and someone gets added to your team, you don't know anything about that person. You don't know how they like to be communicated to. You don't know anything about their work style if you've never worked with them. You're starting from scratch on all of those dimensions. At least with, you know, obviously it's not perfect, but starting with personality types gives you at least one tool from a team perspective to understand how you should relate to this new team member. Yeah, and if anything, it just like just reinforces – it just is like a reminder for you. It reinforces Mm -hmm. the fact that not everybody – is an equal part. Yes. Well, they are. I mean, they're everybody's equal part, but I mean, not everybody is the same like puzzle piece, right? Exactly. Different puzzle pieces. I was talking to Matt, who's our PM here yeah. at Drift this morning, and uh, and we were we have two designers, Amanda, Elise, what up? <laughs> uh, and uh, and we looked at that same uh, personality um, personality types on the stress thing that Dave mentioned before, and I sent it to him this morning because I said, look at. Look at the two de- designers that we have. They're totally opposite yeah. from a from a yeah. Amanda's type. an I, Elise is E. Yeah. yeah, and they're different in all sorts of ways. And so, like, just use this as a reminder when working with them every day that they actually need in totally opposite uh, approaches yeah. to the way that they like to yeah. work. One might like structure, sequence, uh, no surprises, and the other might like talking out loud and uh, you know running through ideas, no structure, exactly, like almost could not be more opposite, right? And likes everything to be undefined so that uh, they can define it with you while the other person thrives when things are defined and there's no ambiguity. Yeah, I mean, it's the same thing that, you know, we talk about a lot with like with sports, for example, where, you know, coaches know, you have to know how to get the most out of people by getting them to react. Mm -hmm. Like there's some people that you know if your if your style is just a screamer and you're always cursing people yeah. out you know sometimes that's going to get the right person to be like yeah, yeah all right the I'm right fired person, up for sure 
or it could just send the wrong person just you know tuck their tail between their legs and completely go the under mm-hmm. other direction and shut down. It's a perfect way to end this episode, yeah. right? Bringing it back to sports because uh, the reason that I think these three approaches are super useful and have been great for us is that at the end of the day, we're trying to do exactly what Dave was saying on the sports side, which is we're trying to set up an environment where everyone can reach their full potential, where everyone has the opportunity to be the highest performance version of themselves. It's not just hiring. It's not just hiring people. It's like hiring people who can have the highest impact and have the and meet their potential. And that's all we're trying to do. We're striving to be the best as po- uh, the best possible team. And so we we need everyone to try to be able to hit their their highest uh, potential. Love it. All right. So that that's how you do it. Uh, those are your three you know three little hiring hiring tips. So you know holler at us. Let us know if you you try one of these. Even if it's just like the morning after test. You know tweet at us. Let us know that you did it. Uh, and then also, if you have it in you and you haven't done it yet, uh, a five-star review, just, you know, to join the hundred-plus other five-star reviews that there What's are. What's that, hundred-plus? There's a hundred-plus, yeah. What? what? There's a couple other rival podcasts out there that don't have any ratings or reviews. Not even one? real weird to me. Mm-hmm. That's weird. Uh, That's but, weird. So we appreciate that. Come on, five stars. Hit us up. Show us that you love us. And help us spread the world, uh, the word to the world. We're building this community oh, together. Oh, yeah. Also, the other thing I forgot to do is that, um, you know, we're trying to get into this whole uh, Snapchat game a little bit. What's that, Dave? What's uh, Snapchat? I don't know. I'm going to hold on. I'm going to open it up right now. So so we're going to do we're going to do a little uh, we're going to do a little like Snapchat. So we're, we're on Snapchat and it's uh, it's drift underscore HQ. And every now and then on Snapchat, we might actually give away a couple books. So if you're there, you know, holler at us and uh, it's that your free book. Yeah. yeah. All right. We'll talk to you on the next episode. See ya.